Theo Henderson from Weedian House, and I'm here in the studios with a resident that has several bouts of being unhoused and has some interesting perspectives. Echo Park is a very special place for me and Weedian House because it is where I got my beginnings and got, uh, I guess, my sea legs in order how to highlight the stories of the unhoused community in addition to Chinatown and other areas. Uh, and I right now want to talk about a lot of things about what is pertaining to the unhoused community. Uh, without further ado, let's welcome Christy. Welcome, Christy. Okay. Hi, Theo. This is Christy. Hi, everybody. This is Christy, the unhoused representative of Highland Park. I wanted to come on this show to talk to you guys about decriminalizing the unhoused people in our communities. It is very, very important that the people who are listening to this podcast, especially the people who are unhoused, realize that this is a time for us to build solidarity in our communities if you do not have an unhoused representative in your area if for some reason you feel like you're being threatened that there's sweeps going on that there's cops trying to take all your stuff that there is sanitation department trying to take your things in whatever community across los angeles that you are you do not deserve that we need to decriminalize you and one of the steps is to get the people in the community involved this is not an easy step first you have to build solidarity within you guys. I really think that the unhoused people really need to build solidarity similar to the one in Echo Park. Places like Highland Park, I was able to stand up and be the representative for them, but not a lot of neighborhoods have people that are willing to stand up for them. We need to wake up and stand up for our communities. We were mentioning earlier before we were on camera and uh, I want to talk about it because this is a conversation that needs to happen in the unhoused, homeless, or structural uh, uh, insecure communities and it's how we want to be called. Um, a lot of people say that they, uh, this term unhoused, I use it because I get create agency but what is your perspective on that? Well I really think that calling us homeless, calling us transients, um, calling us bums, um, calling us anything else other than unhoused can be kind of, um, how do you say, uh, it could be a little offensive. I mean you, you're talking about people who are human beings, you're not talking about trash. When you say transient, you, you make it sound like we're tr like like we're picking up trash. Like uh, it, it just sounds so uh, how do you say? Okay, I don't want to say racist. It, it sounds so insulting. We're human beings. We are. We we don't have a home. So technically, we are homeless, but we're more unhoused because California, Los Angeles is our home. Yeah, you know, we do have a home. We just don't have a roof over our heads. Plus, there's more unhoused people than you think. They're not just people on the street. There's people in motels, people sleeping in their cars. They don't have houses either, even when they have jobs. Even when they have a job to go to a nine to five, they're still unhoused. I think the term should change 
to give us back our dignity. That could be a good way to start decriminalizing us, you know? One of the things I agree with is that um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and they said because I um, have seek, sought shelter at a place, well, you're not unhoused anymore. And I would say, you know, understand, I'm still unhoused because this is not a stable place. Tomorrow I could be out on the streets again if I don't have enough funds to stay at this place. And I think this is one of the conversations that many uh, people have this visualization of unhoused is that people think um, once you're in a roof that you're not. I stayed unhoused in, in, the, on, in the kindness of someone's couch. I was unhoused. That wasn't my home. Of course. <laughs> and and, and yeah. it wasn't in, in the place where it's not my home. They're if you're kind not, enough. If you're not paying rent yeah, and if yeah. you're not being able to take a shower at your leisure mm. and come out of your room and, and, you know, just walk around at your leisure, you're not housed. Yeah. You're not, you know, if you're not paying your own bills and you're not able to use the home leisurely, you're not. That's not your house. And you're if unhoused. you have to uh, abide by sometimes the crazy the rules of the, or uh, the largesse of people that you are on, uh, staying with, that's not how you're not house secure. Um, I have a question on that very particular uh, point, and he makes a very good point. A friend of mine made it. He says uh, people will stigmatize the new term unhoused. What do you think about that? Because I have some ideas about it, but what do you think about it? I think people shouldn't stigmatize the name. I think they should be more accepting to it. As I said, anybody who's unhoused, anybody who considers themselves quote-unquote homeless, mm -hmm. who is listening to this podcast, I urge you guys not just to stand by in solidarity, but also to start using that term. If you start using it, I'm pretty sure other people are going to start using it soon. Don't call yourself something that they called you. Mm -hmm. Don't use it to your advantage for the positive. I'm not homeless. I'm on house. Thank you for saying that. Um, so tell us a little bit about your story, because you sound like um, you are doing some excellent things. You were um, the re representative. How did you start uh, becoming the representative? What made, what was the lightning rod for you to step in? Uh, a lot of things. Basically, a couple of years ago, I was handcuffed for being unhoused. <laughs> when they did a sweep, they basically sort of like, how do you say, they did a sting on us, so mm -hmm. I guess to see who they could arrest. Mm -hmm. But these things aren't, um, these things aren't conducted or weren't conducted in Highland Park mm -hmm. just to catch the quote-unquote drug users. Mm -hmm. They were used to kick us out of the neighborhood because of all the NIMBYs in the area. That area of Highland Park got gentrified very quick. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of, you know, racist Caucasians, which I don't want to say, but yeah, unfortunately, there are a lot. Mm -hmm. They were on calling, you know, they're not... Um, they're not beautifying the neighborhood. They're making it worse. We want to make it pretty. So they were kicking everybody out. Mm -hmm. They were blaming us for a lot of drug use, which were not all of us were doing. Mm -hmm. And they basically took our stuff. They basically took all our stuff, had us in handcuffs while they took our stuff. And that made me that made me very angry. I was like, okay, there's no reason for me and people on the street who I can call family. Because mm -hmm. let's keep it real. Sometimes people on the street can be closer to you than family. Exactly. They were the ones encouraging me. I mean, I don't know if I'm putting too much out there. I don't know. But me, I, I only smoke. Me, I'm the kind of person that only smokes weed. Right, right. You know, I'm only a so I'm like, And it's, it's legal here, so it's not I'm like, you're, oh my God, that's or, you know. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Very but it's very accepted here. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm being arrested and I'm not doing anything. It was more like, why are we all being, like, handcuffed for being unhoused? Then a little bit after, I ended up going to the hospital because my heart was so heavy. Mm -hmm. It ended up sending a hernia mm -hmm. to my L4 and my L5. I had to go to the hospital. I was kicked out for being unhoused. I had to go back to the street while I was recovering from spinal surgery. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, 
there were a lot of news reports about the unhoused in which they were saying a lot of derogatory things how the, they're this how they're unsightly how they're this and that and i was like no something's got to be done if at the least i can help in my neighborhood i'm gonna step up and write letters and go to council meetings neighborhood council meetings and that's where i started meeting people that could help and i started getting in touch with lacan swla and of course latu which i'm a proud member of i love the los angeles tenants union and i was gonna say let them know what it is yeah oh yeah heck yeah of course those are great organizations that help the unhoused and again i urge the unhoused population who's listening to go to their nearest latu chapter and request either an unhoused working group or request to work there. That's a good way to make a difference. Get in touch with your LA Tenants Union, the on-house working group. They can help. They give out resources, they help people, and they can help you get in touch with Streetwatch LA, mm -hmm. who records when there are sweeps, who records when there's unfair treatment of the on-house, so that the on-house can have support, not just from themselves, but from the community. As I said, it's very, very, very imperative that we build up solidarity. That is why I'm a, I'm a member of LATU, because I've seen the things that LATU does within its own organization for tenants' rights, mm -hmm. and I love what they do with the unhoused working group. They don't just give out, you know, small resources like water and tents. Mm -hmm. They help decriminalize the unhoused. They help people, they help bring awareness. This mm -hmm. is what we need. We need to stand up in our communities, all of us together, the tenants and the unhoused, and say this is, gentrification is affecting all of us directly. Yes. Yes. The more... Outstanding. The, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, please. The more unhoused, the more evictions there are in Los Angeles, the more homeless people there are going to be out there unhoused. The more unhoused people there's going to be on the streets. Therefore, they're going to criminalize us more. They're going to try to get rid of us more. You understand? They're going to. Yeah. I, what I want to ask you too, because COVID-19 has caused um, a lot of things to happen to bring it into sharp relief. Uh, for example, I was thrown out um, of a park because then the creative park. Um, create a park to create a shelter for unhoused during COVID-19. Uh, the issue is with COVID-19, do you uh, expect or do you think that there's going to be more unhoused people as a result of uh, people who have lost their jobs and not being able to pay their rent? Of course, there's going to be evictions, there's going to be a lot of people ending up unhoused. And as I've said, not everybody out there should, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody should be criminalized yeah, at all. Yeah, great. But there's going to be people that are like, you know, wait, what? I'm a hardworking person, why am I being criminalized? And that's the way you guys don't see it. Once you're unhoused, you have absolutely no respect. The cops stop being your friend, even in the hospital, they can kick you out just because you're unhoused. Now imagine being unhoused and undocumented, mm -hmm. that's even worse. Yes. You understand, you yes. get harassment, you get treated. I mean, like I've said, I've had my tent burned down. Mm -hmm. I've had my tent ransacked. I've been through spinal surgery and I've been handcuffed mm -hmm. just for the sake of being unhoused, just for being on the street. And again, this is the harmless stoner. Can you guys even imagine what it must be like for the substance users? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna go and criminalize the unhoused at all. I love the people in my neighborhood. They have been better than my own family. I've had very toxic family members and the people on the street have actually been, I even substance users themselves have told me, don't ever try any substance. Mm -hmm. They're the ones keeping me up. They're the ones going, yes, mija, keep going. This is good. Keep fighting for us. Mm -hmm. I actually end up getting more encouragement. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how could you look down at them just because they're in substances and say this and this and this and that? Like, you have no idea how these people, these people the lives that these people live. I mean, I'm, I'm not these people. These wonderful people live. I mean, you're talking about mothers, fathers, brothers cousins musicians artists shy people you're not just talking about like these big bad horrible criminals that you have in your head stop thinking what they're saying out in the movies start stop stop looking at the world through one side i mean you guys gotta remember that 
the heart breaks before the mind does. So if you're seeing somebody with a mental illness, don't just look at them with pity, but look at them with compassion. This could have been my grandfather. This could have been this. And then you say to yourself, no, they can't be my mom. Now that's not going to be my grandpa. Really? Really? Really. How many unhoused mothers are there in Highland Park with kids of all ages? Yes. Okay, myself included. I have three boys. Mm -hmm. And you can't tell me that your mom cannot be unhoused, that she cannot fall in circumstances, that those circumstances could drive her to use substances. You cannot say those things. Stop looking at people like they're trash. Yes, I understand. It's not, it's not nice to see substance abuse. It is never nice. But I see people having more compassion for people in the media. Like Heath Ledger died of an overdose. Yes. It was medical overdose, but still they were drugs. Mm -hmm. Okay, prescription drugs are not that are not that different from heavy substances. Michael Jackson, Prince, River Phoenix, uh, Drew Barrymore. Uh, these are the celebrities that had uh, what's this? That substance that, uh, abuse. Lindsay yeah. Lohan. All of them and had mental health issues and substance usage. But our society, we're blaming and shaming society. We have, uh, we have been programmed to be heartless, callous, and evil, and to find a way to other people in order for us to be honest and open and compassionate about it. Um, how, how long have you been unhoused? I've been unhoused for three years. I started in my truck. Mm -hmm. I was in a truck that got repossessed because I couldn't pay for the parking. Mm -hmm. So I had my truck repossessed with everything. The person who uh, sold it to me did not want to give me the paperwork for it. So when it went into the junkyard, that person took it and gave away all my stuff so it was bad yeah uh, that's horrible uh, and I, I can imagine the challenges of it um i i want to ask this newer question it's like what was it like the first night that you were unhoused because um i had someone reach out to me ask me because they um are becoming unhoused and they want to know what's the first thing and what 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 did what goes through their mind what was your first thoughts well honestly i couldn't believe that i was left with a just out on the street. I mean, I, like I said, it was circumstance. I lost my job, I lost my kids, things started going downhill, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say that I was prepared for it, but thankfully due to, you know, me trying to you know, be resourceful, mm -hmm. I was able to, you know, get my truck and all that. So I haven't had it as hard the first few days, but I've seen people who just, they can't handle it. It's really hard for them. It's like mm -hmm. they cry, they, you know, it, it's not easy being on the street, and especially when you have nothing, when you lose everything, which most of us do every time there's a sweep. Mm -hmm. We lose all our documents, all our documentation. We lose everything. We lose our blankets, our clothes. We literally have what we have left on our bodies, mm -hmm. our shirts, our pants. And if you don't have any socks and you're just wearing sandals, well, fuck you, that's how you it is. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things I noticed too, like the first uh, night that I, I <laughs> It, it does have a sense of shock, but I walk a lot <laughs> because I, I, it was because everyone deals with it differently. I walked, I, I never really did it. I walked out in the valley trying to find a place to force myself to sit down and go to sleep somewhere because it was like I just refused to do that. I because I think it was a, it would have to be a psychological breakdown, and so I, I, I just uh, um, kept walking until I think maybe a couple of weeks, then I did the bus thing. I used to sleep on the 720 Santa Monica bus because in my mind I could justify I'm not completely all the way lost hope and I think people realize when they say people like being out here they don't understand the psychological emotional and physical toll it takes on people that uh, they give up hope if you continually demonize someone or you keep beating them down. Um, one of the things that I talked about uh, in another episode was the fact about the doll experiment. Back in the day, uh, 
we had uh, black and white dolls, and they would show black people the doll. They would say, what would be the good doll and what would be the black, uh, bad doll? And based on the stereotypes that black people would heard, they would pick the white doll. And based on the stereotypes, uh, the stereotypes, uh, stereotypes that about black, bad things about black people, even black people were saying bad things about them. So if you continually say or live and be drummed into that you are horrible, a waste of uh, breath and, and a drug dealer or with all these other negative nasty ideas, eventually you ingest those harmful stereotypes and you tend to believe that even if it's not about you, you will say that you are better than this other person because you're not this. So. Um, how are you? How are you able to uh, to come to the sense of compassion that you expressed earlier? What made you look at us all in the, cor uh, the correct human lens that we're all a human, uh, we're a microcosm of society, and we life happens to all of us. Honestly, what helped when I would help what made me wake up was being on house, mm -hmm. seeing it for myself with my own eyes because it's a world that you guys don't get to experience until you actually get to live it. It's um. It, it, you're, you're worked, you're, you're, you're indoctrinated to think a certain way, to think, oh, homeless people, drug users, homeless people, bad, homeless people, rapists, homeless mm -hmm. people. And when you go into these encampments and you actually end up losing everything mm -hmm. and you become part of the unhoused, you start realizing, wait a minute, they're not that bad, they're regular human beings. And you start seeing the psychological, the emotional, all the damage. Um, I, I don't want to glamorize myself to say, I've always been this kind of compassion or anything like that. But I've always tried to help out people before, you know, um, like I said, maybe here and there I lost track of it, so I wasn't I wasn't as um, as uh, active mm -hmm. as I might have wanted to be. But I mean, you gotta look at people and see the humanity in them, right? You know, I have to say, I was just having a conversation earlier about this very same thing. I remember, and in fact, a very close friend of mine did this and made me uh, and, and brought me back to the idea of when people would see unhoused people. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. I put there was. Um, there was this lady that used to go around and this was before recycling where people were always recycling. She was like, I have to think she had to be mostly like ahead of her time because this was like the late, you know, 70s, 80s. And I would see her going around and she would wear, shabby, she was shabbily dressed, but she would go into garbage can. And this is not like it is now. It wasn't like, it was like a, such a big surprise. To it was see a bit of a shock. And yeah. my parents would say, if you don't stay in school, this is what you're going to end up like. Oh. Or how many people have like uh, uh, that are listening now have heard parents say when they see an unhoused person, this is what happens if you don't stay in school or you don't study and that's what you're going to be. A friend of mine uh, who knew I was unhoused told her daughter this very same thing. And I looked at like, you know, this is why we have such an antipathy against unhoused people. Yes. It's because it's an ignorant and it's a very harmful stereotype. Because now she's ingested that she's going to grow up and she's going to spread that because you pass that poison on to her yeah. and she and as children they trust you and you they, they they believe that you have the answer but when you have a corruption which is which it is you've corrupted this child who yeah. who was innocent and believes the good in people and i've seen it when i um, lived in uh, chinatown park there's a lot of good kids that have a very good kind open heart and then there comes some nasty uh, corrupted individual uh, adult that has completely torn their whole life and their vista of, of life away by saying these horrible things about over 60 plus unhoused people. So what's your perspective on this? As I've said before, we really have to stop this as a community. I mean, you can't look at unhoused people and guess why they're unhoused. A lot of people will say, 
well, this person doesn't have a job. None of them want to get jobs. Mm -hmm. I've had people in the restaurant in Highland Park tell me that. Mm -hmm. We asked them for a bit of a donation and maybe they could either donate some tacos or at the very least they'll cut down the price. Mm -hmm. And the lady told me, she goes, well, none of you guys want to get jobs. And I'm like, excuse me? Undocumented people cannot get a job that quick here in the U.S. because exactly. they can't get, you know. Thank it, you it, Yes. That. <laughs> undocumented people don't have a, a way to get back on their feet as quick as a person that's documented. And some of the unhoused people, as I've said, have mental issues, have substance abuse problems, but those are not just choices that they make up. And, you know, the, the things that cir circumstances happen. And as I've said, there's a lot of people like, like um, I love Devon. I don't know if you know Devon yes, Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Devon Brown. was over there. I saw him yeah, yeah, him and Eamon. We, yeah, yeah, we yeah, haven't yeah, met yeah. them before. Yeah. We, were, we, we call ourselves freedom fighters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why we're strong is because we choose to keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. But how many circumstances have the people on the streets have to dealt with before they broke? Mm -hmm. As I've said, the heart breaks before the mind does. So you have to really look at them and say, wow, what have, what have what's gone so wrong in their lives? Because so many people punish themselves. Mm -hmm. They'll say, I deserve this. Or, oh, I can't get a job. It's too late for me. Look at me. I'm already dirty. I'm already... They already look down on themselves enough. Mm -hmm. Do not think that the unhoused people are not aware of what they are. Yes. Because they are. And don't and don't under, underestimate that we, they know what you think of them. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. What really blew my mind that there is a community of unhoused, like you said, undocumented families out yes. here. And we need to talk about something else as well. Is about the undocumented families that are in fear of having their families and their children separated because of some uh, NIMBY Nancy or some NIMBY Nelson or that decides, or some parent or principal that sees them. Uh, maybe when they are running back to where their location, their hiding spot is, and they call CPS. Yeah, we need to DCFS. we need to talk about it. yeah CPS yeah, yeah DCFS. I'm sorry, but I'm not. A, I'm not, I don't. I don't think highly of DCFS. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say anything negative because I don't want anybody to go and you know go and say anything. Uh -huh. But DCFS, even if they are looking for the welfare of the child, separating from their parent is not okay. And a person not being able to make ends meet which is happening more and more and more and more and more and more across Los Angeles, especially now during COVID mm -hmm. and with the gentrification rising. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for Latinx and black families mm -hmm. to find themselves low income, mm -hmm. lower income, and it's not okay. You guys are ripping people apart, taking, it, taking them away from their parents. Okay, maybe they're not able to provide a completely stable um, environment for them, but they're better off with their parents than with anybody else. Honest? But but gentrification causes this, and, and like capitalism causes it. That's because you have this belief system about picking yourself up by your bootstraps. If you cannot, uh, uh, we don't have livable wages. We have a, a stagnant wage from over 30 years ago, and we resist uh, uh, creating a livable wage for people to be able to support their families. You're going to see poverty, and you're going to see uh, disruptions and, 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 and symptoms that are look like they're dangerous because we and we embrace that. There's always capitalism has winners and losers. And the people that are not successful like, like uh, or able to loot the system like President Trump with his $750 in taxes over billions Gilsa of Dio. dollars. Or Gilson Dio. Or, or, or Mitchell, Mitchell Failure. Mitchell Failure. <laughs> yes, yeah. Mitchell so, Failure. So yo, let's, let's, let's be real. These things are, are the result of it. And we pay people like business improvement districts to criminalize and displace people. Yes, it's horrible. I mean, as I've said, so many businesses around the neighborhoods, local neighborhoods, 
that will look down at you just because you're unhoused. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people are so hypocritical. They don't let people use the bathroom. They're afraid of substance abuse, right? Mm -hmm. But some people won't let them use the bathroom no matter what they look like. And you're like, excuse me? So mm -hmm. you don't want me to pee my pants, but you're not letting me use the restroom. But then complain when they see people use the bathroom out in the public. Because you don't allow bathrooms. You shut the bathrooms down. You uh, refuse to open bathrooms. You don't uh, let them be able to clean themselves. So what do you expect is going to happen? Exactly. I mean, instead of trying to fight the substance abuse, mm -hmm. instead of trying to, I mean, the substance abusers, try to fight the substance abuse itself, mm -hmm. right? Try to decriminalize them. Try to give them the room to go to the bathroom. We're human beings. What do you want us to do? Because we're because some people use substances, what, that makes us, what, aliens? Mm -hmm. That gives us a special rock in our back mm -hmm. or something? Mm -hmm. No, we're still human beings that deserve human necessities. And that's a fact that we're going to need to use the restroom. We're going to need to be clean. We're not going to need to shower. So I, I really commend, I'm, I'm really so glad for all the all the organizations that come and help us with that. The Shower of Hope, LATU, Street Watch LA, all the stuff that they do. I think that's a huge improvement. But people in the communities need to stop looking stop looking down at the, at the unhoused people and start looking at the people that are causing the gentrification. Stop putting them on pedestals. Yes, thank you. Yes, it just <laughs> oh makes me God. so angry. Are you kidding me? These business developers I looked on as like they are great businessmen or they're just so kind-hearted and all this kind of stuff, but yet they, they behind they, the scenes, they are just very, uh, uh, they're sucking the soul out of the communities. Yes, they are. They're just criminalizing everyone. They're trying to, uh, you guys put them on pedestals, as I said, but um, it's, it's, horrible i can't stand it i mean you see these businesses that they're putting black lives matter they're trying to give out water when there's protests but they're the same people that refuse to help you if you ask for unhoused help mm -hmm. they're the same kind of people that say oh well i can't give you a free pizza mm -hmm. what would that do to me you know my clients my mm -hmm. clients have to pay and blah blah blah, blah. it's those kind of people that are tearing the neighborhood apart mm -hmm. that are like well this mural doesn't have to be here, even though it's Hispanic heritage. Mm -hmm. Screw this. Let's take it out. Oh, oh, it's Martin Luther King. Let's take him out. Who yeah. cares? It's my business. I do whatever I want with it. And I'll raise the prices so that only gentrifying Caucasians can afford it and screw everybody else. But hey, I love the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know? And not only that, too. Here's the thing, too. Uh, the reality is, like, um, these people are, like, again, are seen acceptable by the city. And which brings up what they use and they weaponize with the police and security outfits. So what's your perspective? What has been your experiences with uh, the police? Do you have a positive view on them? <laughs> Heck no, I can't stand the cops. I've, I'm not afraid of telling people to that their biggest weapon, especially the unhoused people in the community who are listening to this as we speak. Mm -hmm. Anybody listening who's unhoused, your biggest weapon against the cops right now is your video camera. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because you are maintaining shelter in place mm -hmm. in public and in, 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 as long as you're on public property in public you can do shelter in place mm -hmm. there's nothing illegal about being on house mm -hmm. right yep. so there is no reason for the cops to be coming down at you right now during COVID-19 when there's a global pandemic mm -hmm. and they're just harassing us for the sake of being on house mm -hmm. I, I don't like it. I'm sorry, but this is, I, I, I don't know what to say. I just can't stand the cops. I mean, ACAV, ACAV, ACAV all day. Can't stand them. <laughs> and on that note, um, is there anything else would you like for us? Because uh, you have some great, great news. You mentioned that you have some great news that's been going on. So tell us a little bit about your uh, uh, the news and why you are so motivated now to make sure 
everyone get your message out? Well, I just want to put the message out because um, the people in Highland Park have been doing so good. They're trying to clean up their areas. The people in Echo Park have been following through. I think, honestly, if the community starts seeing us, the Latinx and the black communities start seeing that we're smoking and keeping our substance use in, in check and we're keeping it indoors, I think that's a huge help. And I just want to... I want everyone to reach this, to try to do that, to try to do the best because it's going to work. And people know what you do when they find out what you're doing and you're doing a positive change. They start seeing the change in themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. We need people to, you know, build solidarity within communities, but specifically the unhoused people to stand up, to group, to look out for one another, to record, and to know their rights. I mean, if you do that, believe me, it's not going to be that hard. It's not so hard to just keep your you know substance use indoors and to keep your area clean it's not that hard everything else just comes together once you start you know building solidarity and the thing is i wanted to tell people um specifically you guys that um i'm kind of sort of stepping down mm -hmm. from being the unhoused rep for the area of where i was from because i've been um in sheltered for for a bit but i still want to work alongside latu and I want to let anyone who's listening know that if you guys need any kind of representation or any kind of organizing or any kind of tips, you guys should be able to get, I'll, I'll, I'll more than help. I'm more than willing to help people all over the community who may need help organizing, who need to get in touch with these um, organizations who are having a hard time, who may not have a phone or may not be able to get online. I'm, I'm urging you guys to try to get in touch with people like me because we want. I want to work with more neighborhoods. I want to be able to go and spread this message across. I want to be able to uh, show uh, empowerment. I want them to be. I want them to have that confidence to say, okay, we're unhoused, but we're still human. You know, I want this to go to as many neighborhoods as we can get, so that by the time I start doing that, the people in Highland Park. We'll start stepping up every time there's a sweep, every time. You guys got to know your rights. You guys got to know what's going on. Know how to stand up for yourself. And as I've said, your biggest weapon is your video camera, your, your phone. Charge it, record. No matter what, you always record. That's an excellent place to uh, end it. And I thank you very much for you taking your time to come out. There's a quote that I said earlier. It is said, an education with only the mind and not the heart is not education at all. What we need is we need a wholesale revamping of the education system about what white supremacy, capitalism, and gentrification does for people that are impacted by it. But we also need compassion and humanity on looking at us as human beings in every facet, from either from gender expression of identity, from uh, a class system, from race, you name it. And with that said, I thank you all for listening, and I hope we meet in the light of understanding. This is Theo Henderson. Unhoused news. Tragedy has struck again at Echo Park. An unhoused man by the name Sean Murphy, who would have turned 31 on the 26th of this month, passed away. 
on October 2nd, 2020. This is the third unhoused death amid COVID-19, the heat wave, and the brush fire and the aftermath. The other unhoused people that were passed away in Echo Park was Brianna Moore, who was 18 years old, Sean Murphy, who was 29, and Andrew Kettle. On October 10th, it will be the World Mental Health Day. Another tragedy also occurred in San Diego, California. An unhoused woman was run over by a tractor on Oceanside Harbor Beach. In Philadelphia, housing activists are going to try to set up community land for unhoused neighbors. Using inflammatory dog whistles, once again in other news, Los Angeles City Council has revisited and are pushing forward with the City Attorney Mike Fuhrer's direction, Ordinance 4118 and the Special Enforcement Zones. If you remember in previous episodes, I mentioned that 10 of the City Council members voted to continue the sweeps during COVID-19, despite the CDC um, advice of keeping them in the area. They're gonna use these ordinances 4118 and special enforcement zones to target, criminalize the unhoused community. Council member Lee stated it's time to be compassionate to business owners. 4118 will prevent the unhoused to sit, lie, or even be near parks, bridges, or any of the businesses or schools, insinuating that all the unhoused, even the ones with families, are a danger to your children and to the community. And as, as you probably have guessed, because the city has a history of coddling police brutality, with the example of recent George Floyd and the, on the and other deaths here of Mr. McLean, protests have demonstrated the brutality that the LAPD has done here. The constant agreement with NIMBYs, this will be a legal Holocaust roundup. This final solution is on the wings for increased police and upcoming Olympics. In other dire news, Mayor Garcetti abdicates responsibility of the houseless crisis and used the imagery of horse dung to describe the unhoused community. Los Angeles is the second highest number of unhoused in the United States, according to a recent study. In the New York Times, it reports the number of elderly unhoused people have tripled. Meanwhile, a vigilante group who calls themselves downtown New Yorkers for safe cities and safe streets are using the excuse that the city did not consult them and the house community are all criminals are using Twitter and Facebook to get more supporters to fight the expansion of a shelter in Feedy, New York. Echo Park is creating a GoFundMe to provide uh, other alternatives as well as new services to provide in uh, Echo Park to help the unhoused, which is trying to employ the unhoused, uh, get money for lights and other amenities that are necessary that Mitchell Farrell, council member, is trying to punch down on the unhoused community. Also bear in mind, Mitchell Farrell is one of the people that voted to continue to criminalize the unhoused with the sweeps. Mitchell Farrell is also uh, one of the ones that are spearheading the revisiting of 4118. On October 17th, Weedy and House, among other uh, advocates and partners such as K-Town for All, Los Angeles Community Action Network, 
services, not sweeps. Uh, Hello, Dogtown podcast will be hosting a unhoused voters registration and education where we are going to be talking about the issues that are germane to us and to activate some activism in order for us to fight the anti-unhoused sentiment. And this is Unhoused News. this episode with some nuggets of information about Los Angeles, California and its different location. There are many similarities with Echo Park and the city of Hawthorne. Of course, you can probably guessed it. It is steeped in discrimination. However, Hawthorne is known also as a sundown town. A sundown town is a town that refuses black people to be in the town to buy a home or even to stop during through the night. Hawthorne represented a white 1950s aura. They also had Cold War experimental planes. They had artists like Marilyn Monroe, Beach Boys, James Mansfield, as well as the young kid from Lassie. Hawthorne was named after the Scarlet Letter author Nathaniel Hawthorne. It prided itself on being a very deeply religious community. As you probably have guessed in the history pertaining with the African-American community, anytime you see a religious community, it is always usually was steep in deep racism in the, in the country here and during the 50s and 60s. Hawthorne was no example. It is similar and is known as the religious community, much like today's Trump religious community, evangelical. In order to attract the white religious racist community, they would hold revivals, bribing children to generate home leads to rural open areas. Many times people from the Midwest would come by and look in or would be tempted to buy a house in that area. The Italians were welcome there, the Japanese as well, they were the gardeners, but not the blacks, which is not a surprise. Black people were barred from living there. If caught in town, they were thrown in jail, beaten, or killed. In the 30s, the signs would say, the N-word, don't let the sun set on you in Hawthorne. Hawthorne also boasts of a famous resident and indigenous athlete by the name of Jim Thorpe, who won a gold medal and was not a victim of the sundown laws that it held for black Americans. Of course, I mentioned before, Marilyn Monroe spent eight years there, as well as another superstar, Sonny Bono, who uh, spent his uh, formative years there. The same excuses about quality of life and children's safety uh, follow this community today. 
the unhoused community lives way in the boonies, away from civilization. It took a while for us to find the area, and it's very difficult to find out where they are unless you're actively looking to go out and find the unhoused community. They also get constant harassment. So join us for episode 34 of We The Unhoused, where we get to know the residents and what it's like to live out in a far away from civilization in Hawthorne. Henderson from Weedy and Howes. We're also out here in Hawthorne, at Hawthorne, California, near some train tracks, where we are here to get the story and what life is like out here. Uh, as you understand that unhoused people, over 60,000 unhoused people are everywhere. They're just not in on the sidewalk. They're sometimes near train tracks, abandoned buildings, cars, uh, and, and, and hotels, you name it. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our guest and he's going to tell us a little bit how he became unhoused out here. So, welcome. Um, yeah, my name is Felipe Solares, and I have like uh, three years on the streets. It's, believe me, this uh, hard, hard. How did you become out on the street? Oh, because uh, I was fired in my, in my job. First, I have injury in my job. And you yourself? Yeah, and then I have fire in the job. Um, you know, for things like I see in the job, I, I want to sue the, the, the company. Like, what did you see that made, wanted to make you sue? Because they they're not just, they're not injustice in, in the job. They're, they're paying cheap, like, clear, like, you know. They say they have, they are fair in the job, but no, it's not right, and you know many things. So I says, I decided to sue the company, but my wife, we are in, in you know, not agree. Mm -hmm. She says, okay, if you wanna do this, do it by yourself <laughs> alone. You are alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, why did she didn't want you to fight back? Me? Yeah. Oh, because I don't know. Because uh, I think I have the rights. I I want to see if this uh, this country, right? This uh, is uh, we have a right to talk to why why we are disagree, right. right? One of the things too is like, um, did you feel because you are not are you are you documented or undocumented? So we can... oh, I'm documented, but so, but uh, I mean like. Residence, permanent. Oh, oh, not, okay. not, I don't have the citizenship yet. Oh, I see, I see. So maybe she was concerned about maybe uh, retaliation and, um, for your residency. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you know, like I said, my wife she don't is disagree with me. We have a problems. You know, it, this is not the problem. Like, this is just a little drop to mm -hmm. you know. And. I ended up on the streets. First, you know, believe me, I feel like a, the first day, all these days, because, you know, uh, I'm sorry if I, I get emotional, because in this situation, I lost my, the communication with my kids. I lost the communication with my wife. 
Um, after, after these years, my wife came one day and says, this is a paper for divorce. We are divorced and we are done. We're, and those days are like the worst for me. Uh, so I think be, being on the street, this is not a, this is just a part of the, on top of that, you know, I got my car, is, is, somebody stole my car. I lost the, a lot of um, tools I have in, in the storage because I can't pay more the storage. You know, in one week, become the, like a ruin for me, everything. Like, like we say, being homeless. You know, somebody predicted this when I start um, coming with the homeless because first, I'm asleep in my car. Oh my goodness. Then one guy told me, oh, um, he says, first you're gonna lose your car, then you're gonna lose this and that. It's like a... He, pre he predicted everything. What was it like your first night to be out away from your family and you're just out here on your own and you just have you and yourself to, uh, to deal with the situation? How did you handle it? Oh, believe me, it's hard days, like, uh, I mean, some people say in our culture says the men don't cry, but you know, I cry a lot, and I feel alone, feel too much pressure on me. Uh, if I don't get sick, maybe it's cause, I don't know, because something is uh, holding me, like, uh, I think it's not down to me. With me, it's not down all of them. Like, like being like a trauma in, in the alcohol, in the you know drugs or something like that, right? Um, My next question uh, too is like, if you had someone that was having in your situation, what would you do to help them be able to manage it? Because it's tough to be out here, isn't it? Yeah. So what would you do? How would you help prepare them? Because like COVID-19 and people are being evicted from their homes and they don't know. They think it's just like you living in a house. Everything is fun. You can party every day. You can dance. You, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> so what you know, would you do? To use, you said like prepare somebody. Yeah. I think this for this thing is not preparation. Like this thing is like a coming like. <laughs> Okay, like right. a hurricane or like a <laughs> yeah like a knockdown <laughs> like punch, yeah yeah a, a, a sneak punch, right, right, and believe right. me in this uh, right here in homeless mm -hmm. i've been suffering like stolen like beaten up like mm -hmm. everything you say you got beaten up I, I i got stabbed a few years ago so yeah i know uh some of the perils about it being out yeah here. so what uh what happened with you when you get uh how did you get attacked oh you know one uh, the first time, it's a, a bunch of gang members, you know, I surrendered for gang members and, you know, in a, like in a circle, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm in the middle, and I'm talking to the guy who sounds like he's the director of the gang members, like, a, I think, like, like uh, how you say, like, I don't think it's without respect. The only I says is, you know, like always I did is uh, be my rights. Mm -hmm. 
no, you know, express my rights. But he don't like it. He punched me in the face and oh, wow. let me on the floor, <laughs> throw like like a, like kind of knocked down because he hit me sideways. I, I never happened this to me. So now. Now and on, I says, hey, don't get close to me when there's somebody, I see somebody like mm -hmm. uh, anger to me. Uh -huh. Well, and then uh, one day happened, one, one, somebody hit me with a cane right here. I oh, have a wow. scarf. I have a scarf right here. Yeah. Right? You can see. I see it. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, what? Ha why would this person hit you with a cane? Because, you know, that's what I, I, I have something to me, like a, I'm a, I, have to joke a lot with the people right, and, right. and this this supposed to be my friend mm -hmm. not my friend but I know me and we living together in one uh, thing then uh, I found him in a couple uh, not months maybe in a month and a half I saw in the street and we start joking I start joking with him and, and he's I saw him like a kind of or something like that mm -hmm. and he started me chasing me with a cane but oh, I think wow. it's like a game so on the middle of the street he he come in and I, I found a couple friends and he saluted friends and, and then when when I go see when I back to see him he hit me with a cane oh, on the, the cane like he has it in a, I'm, so, I'm sorry to hear you went no I, you know those are experience like a Believe me, maybe these things make me a strong, a strong in, in this situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many more I have to solve, but I think God no more. But you know, I want to ask you too, not because we were mentioning a little bit about it before we got on camera. Um, the police, because they mentioned like you, you guys have, as you can see here, um, there is no regular trash pickup, and they always complain about unhoused people uh, are dirty and things but we were talking about something that happened with me and as well as you is that people come and dump the stuff that are housed and they'll leave it with and blame the unhoused what what's going on you know like always there is a people like uh i think they uh for them it's too much take the trash to the dumpsters because they had to pay mm -hmm. and they have the it looks like a day go in some place and, and clean the house and charge a lot of money and then they wanna get the the how you say the easy way easy way out of the the trash is just dumping the trash in some place some place like it's empty and they gonna blame and the homeless people so which also brings up an interesting point about how capitalism um, penalizes even house people is they have so many ridiculous high prices and instead of banding together and challenging the system they rather punch down so what would you be able to how would you be able to get this stuff out if you had well you know um you know i can easily remove this trash from here you know that there's a couple of dumpsters that i know where i can every day they are empty i can feed the, the trash right there but uh, anyway they're gonna still kick us uh, out of here right so 
What's the point, huh? See, yeah, what's the point? Well, also, here's the thing, too, they, is that you said the sheriffs came out here. What did they say? Oh, they, you know, believe me, they, they, they don't say, they don't they treat us rude, nothing. They just says, uh, please, we can move it from here tomorrow because uh, a, a crew, the cleaning is coming, and, and they don't want to throw away, you know, our stuff. Where are you going to go? I don't know. I have no idea. See, just because they're polite doesn't mean that they're not going to yeah, follow exactly. the law. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the, the, the kindest police officer will throw you out because they're just Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I, I think all the time. Like, oh, they, they are nice and, and they are polite, but... They still... If we ask him, hey, where we can go? He says, go out of, out of the hato. So they is just throwing the... the the, uh, you know the ball to somewhere else because yeah. if we if we coming out of the hatter it's like a coming like a they we are no more the problems for them like we are problems for another city when, when we are when we landed right but believe me there is over there you see the street that down there mm -hmm. is uh the other side is redondo beach right and uh, they are, we are like a bowl, like a, they throw it over here, they, they throw it, it over there. there. Like, yeah, exactly. So, you guys, so basically, they have no solution for you. They just don't want you in their neighborhood. Exactly. They, exact they, definition of NIMBY. Not in my backyard. Oh, they, they, <laughs> yes, exactly. And there are uh, some officers that very rude. He says, get out of Hathor. Mm -hmm. Get out of here. Get out of Hathor. Go to the freeways. Because in the freeways, you know, in the freeways, we have to deal with the highway patrol and the Caltrans. Mm -hmm. And Caltrans is another people, like, it's very rude. <laughs> people, yeah. like, very rude. Caltrans, they just come in and post it. One day, we want to get you, get out of, you guys get out of here. Like, we have to do it because they come in with the... They, I think it's intimidation is the other way, like, they use us because they says you are trespassing we're gonna give you a ticket for trespassing and if you are here when we coming you get you can get arrested you know this is one of the things that is seeing of your universal thing with the unhoused community is the fact that we explaining that we are harassed and terrorized by the law enforcement but then you have people that run around saying the police are wonderful da, da, da and they don't do anything wrong. And it's like, maybe one day, this world will understand and waking up, wake up to see the reality of this. Oh. Uh, one of the things before I end is, what would be a way of us help you? How could we get you back on your feet? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> I don't have a, what, uh, I think, uh, well, we have, we found a place when we can stay, not forever, right? Because I don't want to live forever on the street because it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we say, it's hard, so hard. Sometimes we get wet, we have to go sleeping wet because the water is raining. The last year, raining a lot. Yeah. And yeah. All the time I was soaking water, brush like fire, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
yeah, like, but I want to uh, back to the point, like you says, the the to the police is, is uh, some some people think the police is nice. That's what I thought before before the when the first time when I have my first 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 with the sheriffs. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I it is when I become to be when I start coming uh, homeless because I've been sleeping in my car, mm -hmm. one day coming and knock in my window and I says, let me put let me put a pants because it's summertime and mm -hmm. I sleeping in, in underwear. Mm -hmm. They put me in underwear on the street in front of the people like I is mm -hmm. passing and I think this is, this is like a, Make make us low like a intimidating humiliation. yeah humiliation yes because you know uh, nobody deserve to like treat it like that nobody deserve to be like that because just to because just to being homeless or just to being no money or you know money don't change nothing we always being like humans and and there is no colors there is uh, only one sentiment like like a survival on the street yeah that's that's my opinion thank you very much for your time uh, this is Theo Henderson from Weedian House uh, we're going to mill about a little more to interview some, um, some other perspectives on the treatment of a hot house here in Hawthorne, California. Thank you all for listening and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Henderson from Weedy and House. We are out here in a 90 degree Hawthorne, California, and we are here to show the different dimensions of what it is like to be unhoused in other parts of the city. I've covered Hollywood, Shadow Park, uh, Chatsworth. I've ch covered a whole host of different places, but I'm, I'm making my way to certain other areas that doesn't get the love and attention that Weedy and House wish, wishes to get. So here I am out here to spread some love. And speaking of love, this is what uh, justice is love in action. Dr. King says this. So one of the things that I noticed is that one of the difficulties I mentioned uh, during the COVID-19 is when everything stood still. The world stopped and shut down. Uh, unhoused people were unable to charge their phones, as well as uh, uh, the other amenities like bathroom uh, usage and using going showers. And here we have out of this uh, need, was not the city doing this, but this is uh, volunteers and activists that have joined in and pulled their resources together to create a solution. And this is called Power Up. Without further ado, we have some of the uh, activists here. We'll have a conversation with them and ask them what 
uh, prompted them to come out here to do this. Without further ado, let's introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Hillary Barker. Hi, I'm uh, Matt Zaro. I live here in Hawthorne. Uh, my name's Maggie Clark. I also live here in Hawthorne. Maggie, I'll start with you. So what got you in, involved into uh, looking for social justice and giving a, a flying boot for our unhoused community? Wow, that is such a big question. Um, I think a lot of things probably kind of contributed, but one big thing for me is I'm a librarian. And I work now at a university here in the South Bay, but my first jobs in libraries were all the public libraries. And, you know, obviously public libraries provide a lot of services for unhoused folks. And I got to know a lot of people through that and kind of get, I think, just a little bit of a little taste of sort of um, some of their concerns and their struggles and the things that were were difficult for them. I also got to experience so much just violent discrimination that they experience from other library patrons, from library administration sometimes, um, and just generally from the community. Like I think a lot of that sort of anti-homeless uh, rhetoric would kind of fall on on libraries and librarians, um, even from like city councils and stuff. And it was like a constant fight to explain why we we're providing services to people who are unhoused, um, which was really disturbing, obviously. And um, yeah, I think that's probably speci specifically related to unhoused folks. That was kind of what initially got me into it. Um, and I've just sort of have been interested in larger social justice issues for a while. And I started working with Streetwatch maybe like a year and a half ago, but our South Bay local we've just formed in the last couple of months. So that's been really exciting. I think it's exciting and I thank you for stepping up and reaching a corner that the house probably could not ever articulate uh, as eloquently as you are able to. Being a librarian, you're able to show that there is humanity as possible. Uh, let's get to Matt. Matt, tell us how did you, what was your aha moment or what was your moment mm. to start to become uh, involved in yeah, so uh, I I went to seminary, and while I was there, we have to do uh, like we have to go and work at different places. And I uh, I did some I did my program in the Tenderloin, so a lot of street ministries out there. Um, and then I did my work study at San Francisco State University, uh, campus ministries there, and we did a lot of street ministries in the city as well. So that was my sort of first taste of like, oh, this is a problem, and there's like ways you can actually help. Uh, as as a person and uh, then you know just living in LA the last you know I, I grew up here uh, I know it's getting worse like you don't have to tell me I can see it with my eyes uh, so I was really concerned about it and well, let me ask you a question like I don't mean to cut you off but no. uh, let's ask what if you hear because people say that many in the end house don't want help or they're resistant and they are a drug addict or they're uh, crazy or they're they have all the harmful stereotypes. And you're saying you're looking at it and it's getting and exploding. Um, what would you say to one of the uh, uh, Nimby Nelson or Nimby Nancy that has those kind of ideas? Um, well, I would tell them to get out and actually talk to the folks who are unhoused. Because, like, you learn real quick that, like, everybody's got a story and you don't, uh, you know, I'm surprised how many of these folks out here 
got on on the streets because of their divorce and i i went through a divorce so like i know that pain and uh it was like one of those things i could bond with and like uh there's a part of your brain that turns from from charity or like uh abstract helping humans so like oh no i'm helping chris i'm helping bucky and uh, and when that happened like uh, my relationship to the to to the work really changed, but I would tell them that you know, unhoused folks are just like everyone else in the sense that like yeah, sometimes they do have problems, you know, like everyone I know at ch- uh, you know church or whatever job I've been to, there are people there who have mental illness issues, and that's not that's not a bad thing. That is, you know, that's just being life. You know, I've met a lot of alcoholics in my life not unhoused who are working and we don't say oh their alcoholism caused their employment <laughs> you know like that's just, uh so i uh i would say people are people are people and you have to take them where they're at and love them and that's i don't know if i'm rambling now but that's understandable let's pass the baton uh let's have you introduce yourself yeah, yeah i'm hillary um so i got into Street Watch a few months ago. I grew up in LA as well, and the homeless problem is growing, and I've always been concerned about it. And um, like about four months ago, I started working downtown more regularly and close by Skid Row, and it's just right there. And and then I, I learned I forget how I learned about Street Watch exactly, but when I started reading about what they were doing, it that was sort of like a light bulb went off, like, oh duh, I can just go bring some water and just basic things like humanity and it was such a moment for me. I was like, Why why am I not doing this? And so that's when I got involved and I'm really happy I did. Now, explain to me the concept of power up for people that understand uh, that are due to the situation because they have uh, may or not have heard of it. I I know of it. I know that it requires uh, some kind of organization with charging. So let's start from there. Yeah. So we bring out a generator and power strips and cables and chargers and a table and a tent and some food and some waters and we just set it up and allow people to come by and charge their devices and grab some food and water and even have a conversation. What were the obstacles to creating this and how often do you guys do this? Um, we've been doing it about once a week. There aren't as many obstacles as you might think. Like I think if you have three or four people and $500, you could probably start a power up table. So uh, there is the initial cost and you have to have electricity to charge the unit. So if you know, uh, you have to have access to that. Um, but other than that, if you have some friends and you have the heart for it, you can get out here and do a power-up table yourself. I have a question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> is that what if, because this area here in some respect is kind of off the beaten path. <laughs> now let's say because they have a, uh, a power-up here at Echo Park and MacArthur Park and other parts of LA. Um, they met with some police at NIMBY resistance. Police harassed the unhoused people. People harassed the uh, people where they, uh, uh, I think they threatened to ticket them for having this stuff and things like that. So um, what happens, do, do you guys experience this or do, and if it happens, what kind of creative solutions 
can we do to meet the need where the city and the police are not meeting this need? That's such a good question. Um, it's weird because we are, are, you know, I don't know if podcast listeners will be able to tell. We really are off the beaten track. We're like in the back of a parking lot next to like these railroad tracks. Right. Um, which is not uncommon in the South Bay because a lot of our city governments have been really, really aggressive about evicting unhoused people from anywhere where people can see them, really, like parks, sidewalks, stuff like that. We have a lot of nimbyism in this area. So a lot of our unhoused folks um, have been kind of pushed into these really inaccessible or sort of more off the beaten path areas. And But we still experience, well, they experience, um, a lot of harassment from law enforcement back here. I think in the last, since we've been doing this, they've been, they've threatened to sweep this encampment, what, like five times? Like they literally just did it today. Um, And then the ridiculous thing is they never do it. But like once a week, someone from Hawthorne PD or LA sheriffs shows up and says, if you guys don't leave, we're going to come sweep you tomorrow. And then they don't come. And it's incredibly frustrating and it has a huge psychological toll. Because, you know, well, I have to. Oh yeah, no. Down because because I, I experienced that kind of crap. Because I had I know when they do that down in L.A. or in um, where uh, the area that I'm in, they it's usually and I don't want to say this on I don't want to curse on, on the thing, <laughs> but they they have one person that usually is the butthole of uh, the person that usually they always comes out and causes problems. With. Is that the same thing that comes on uh, uh, out here too? That did you have that kind of thing, or do they have new re- rotating officers? I know? feel like I don't know. Maybe you would be better to maybe answer. Eric, Ma- might, Eric be might be the best to answer this. Going, I feel like it's like a. I'm going to try to not to. Yeah, have a seat, Eric. My anger to overtake me, but I. I feel you on that one. So let me, you know, reiterate my words. So, so that does they have a certain select police officer that comes out and, and targets the unhoused people or is it just a random group of people decide to just come down and, and borrow it? Uh, you, you stated, they stated that you guys face this harassment today. So what's going on? So by a day-to-day basis, we have some, we have a lot of sheriffs and a lot of Hawthorne PD coming here and saying that people are complaining. Now they don't, they never they stay, right. They can't stay, Who who's complaining? First they said Costco, so nobody goes to Costco anymore. Now they're saying that the back lot is, and now they're saying that the storage unit is, so they never, they come and it's like they have to feel, they want, yeah, they're manipulating, they're, they're for. Here whatsoever. We are out yeah. in the boonies somewhere, damn where. So that's just ridiculous. And if you see, we're really discreet. You can't yeah. really, unless you really you walk over here. really look and find you guys. The blue tarp might be a little bit like out there, but behind that, you won't know anybody's out there. But the tarp, but still, here's you know? what I'm trying to say. You're, here's a train track. There are fences all around. There's, there's no way that people, I don't see any. Y'all gotta be nosy. Coming with their shopping cart, rolling down the street to a train to catch a train. So how ridiculous is that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. That's what nimbyism does. That's that's why I, I have to calm myself down. But that, <laughs> this is this is what yeah that, I, I I had a flashback. But this is what it, uh, 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 that I I, I I understand. So how long have you been out here? I've been out here for like seven months. Uh, um, how did you become an out? I had an apartment and. It didn't work out with um, people that you live with. You know how that goes. And they they had a place to go, and we were not prepared for it because we were basically paying the majority of the rent. Right, right. So we didn't have any like extra to save up for an, another down payment on apartment. You know. And um, we want we. Hot here in the yeah. Of California and, and any other area. So 
please understand. You know? And it wasn't tax season yet, you know what I mean? So we just put everything in the cart and got a storage unit, put all of our stuff in there, and we just kind of like motel surf for a little bit. And then it got to a point where like $100 a day is hard to get sometimes. So we just kind of posted up a tent with one of my, with um, the approval of one of my friends over here. And, and it just, you know, we just started saving up our money here. I think it's a better way to do it, you know? You don't, all you have to worry about is food and obviously you want to shower, you go to a gym or something, you know? And you just handle what you got to handle, you know? So, you know, and you have a fortunate, uh, fortunate uh, ability because you have youth on your side. Where if for people that I, I like, uh, that maybe, I want to say, let's just say seasoned, age seasoned. I don't want to call myself old. Uh, age seasoned, that we, you know, it's not as use, it's not easily to bounce back if you have health challenges and things like that, which you um, may, may and may not have. But um, how did you find here? Conversely, then somewhere, let's say, for example, Skid Row. Some of my homegirls are from Hawthorne, mm-hmm. and I I just like looked around and I heard that one of my friend Lucy's out here. Yeah, okay. So I asked her if it was okay to put a tent over here, and she, she said it was cool. Okay. Like, we were more than welcome, and that kind of like gave us, le- you know, less, less stress to worry about for a little bit, you know? Okay. What's the difficulty of living out here? And um, it's, this is a different lifestyle mm-hmm. to live in here than where I lived. I, I, I lived. Uh, out in Chinatown in the city in a park at night and and, and this is a little bit different um, because one the foot traffic was a lot the police presence was a lot uh, and, uh, I mean they were constantly there and then there is also private security then there's the NIMBYs so and it, which is you, we got that in common um, but this is a little bit more outside here how, how is it to live out here what's the challenges here over here, there's a lot of people that pretend to be, not pretend, but they manip- they have a, a place to live and they come and play homeless and try to like bring the heat from the police over here. So some people don't live over here, man. They commit crimes, come over here to hide, thinking that, oh, well, I know her, so I'm gonna see if I can hide in her tent real quick. They don't know. And, and then we wind up getting, you know, the, all, the, the, the outcome of it because we live here. So it affects us because there's constant police looking for somebody and it winds up being a problem because there's a lot of traffic because of that, you know? I see. So um, is there places for you to get food and showers and places like that here? Yeah. When, the, when some sheriffs, when the detectives come, not just a regular officer, but a, a detective comes, the detectives come to give us resource pamphlets to help us get into like some type of a source. And they try to like uh, give us the best advice they can. They've never arrested us or put us in handcuffs and searched us. It's just the, the constant harassment, like as if we're a nuisance. And it's like we're very discreet. All of us are very discreet. If you if somebody's not here that we know, we won't even we pretend like we're not here. We literally will like look like we're we're out. We will t- tear our shits down and we'll leave somewhere and we'll come back later when they're all gone. So we're we are very discreet. You know, it's like they're almost harassing us and they're 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 bullying us because we're not doing anything to them. They're trying to like almost like antagonize us. Yes. Well, not only that too, because I noticed one thing. It's a common feature with uh, Chrissy was telling me about over at Apple Park and, and other areas uh, is the fact that they have a constant recipe of trying to provoke the unhoused person so they can arrest them. That seems to be the common day with what you constant harassment. They know that it's going to irritate you, but as soon as you voice some any kind of voice any disapproval or uh, outrage, then here comes. And particularly like what I had, like 13 cops throwing me out in the rain. So th- this is a common thing. So um, what is the way that we can get people to help, give assistance and help you get more people to help you get you on your feet? 
I don't know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> how can we help you get, uh, what's the first step and for reaching, uh, reaching you to get maybe a, a place to stay that, that's safer uh, away from police harassment and... Um, the house key source I've been oh, hearing about, yeah. you know? Homes, not, uh, not handcuffs, right? Yeah. yeah. House keys, not handcuffs. Yes, that's an excellent solution. I think that's, uh, uh, why do you think that this is such a stumbling block for the city to take a hold or join forces with? I, I feel like Hawthorne, the Hawthorne area, specifically the Hawthorne area specifically is very like they're anti-homeless people because a big percentage of the the city population are un unhoused so I feel like they don't want to put people in housing like that because they're so I, I can't I honestly I can't answer that but I'm just speaking on what I've I've witnessed myself I think I feel like the the city doesn't really care about the homeless people they don't really want to put emphasis on us they won't help us out reasons I think uh, I think capitalism does give the homeowners around here a real incentive or at least a perceived incentive to uh, worry about their property values so uh, they paid probably somewhere around a million dollars for their houses back in in the 90s now they're worth two million uh, and they need you know, that's their wealth. That's what they're passing on. And so they, they, they do a lot to protect that wealth. Um, and to them, you know, the South Bay has a really long history of things like redlining, homo associations, making so people can't sell to uh, African-Americans or, 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 you know, uh, other races too. Uh, Many people, I didn't mean to interject. No. Many people didn't know that they were doing that very same thing to Matt Cole out in here, Highland Park in his home. They had a claw, uh, a, a that thing or that clause against renting out to uh, people, uh, black people. And this Hawthorne is very, very much one of the reasons why I wanted to explore this issue. Well, please continue. Yeah, so, um, I mean, all of the beach cities have a real long history. You, you know, I grew up in Manhattan Beach. We have Bruce's Beach. I don't know if you know the story behind Bruce's Beach. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's a beach community that was African-American community. Uh, very middle class or, 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 or you know, actually pretty wealthy community there. Uh, and the KKK drove them out, uh, burnt down their, their, their resort over there. 
uh, and the city built a park there and, and kicked all of the, the black people out of Manhattan Beach. Uh, and so, you know, uh, my parents grew up here too. They know, you know, I, I hear all, all kinds of stories about driving while black and, and you know, if, if you're out past, past sundown in El Segundo, you're getting pulled over and you're getting taken to the edge of town, you know. It, it's, a, it's a real history that we, we like. I'm not proud of that history, uh, but we need to talk about it, you know, uh, because, you know, I, I do think it feeds into the demonization of the, of the homeless. And uh, it, it's all, all comes from sort of the same, same source, which is uh, we want to keep our property values high. And we'll, do, we'll be racist. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll do whatever we can to, 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 keep, to keep our corporate. You know, and that's what capitalism does to us. That's, you know. Yeah. I, I agree too because like I always have to have a villain in this uh, story, in this fairy tale, which is exactly what it is. It has to have the fairy tale of the hero that's dressed in white and the villain that's dressed in black or have black skin or brown skin or some other kind of identifying notion to justify the othering and the uh, criminalization that usually ensues or murders and you know. So uh, with all that said, do you think? Um, with all of the protests and things going on, does it help open up a conversation with people to understand about the unhoused community or what? Yeah, I think so. I think I think that at the very least, people are starting to see, you know, I think that's why it's so important to have images. And uh, people are starting to see the truth about how police interact. You know, if you would have told somebody, you know, a, a police officer stole a homeless person's bike, you know, I think five years ago, they would be less willing to believe you than they are today. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that the, the protests and sort of the spotlight that's been shining on how our police state, you know, how the police function in our police state. And uh, yeah, I, I think it, it has made a difference. So I, I'm a big supporter of uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, I, you know, Street Watch considers them allies and uh, we march with them. Uh, we do our best here in the South Bay to, you know, when, when uh, Kinsey, uh, Dijon Kinsey, you know, they put the call out that night. We had, I was so proud of my team. We had, we had like eight people out there from Streetwatch LA, South Bay, showing up and uh, yeah, being good allies. Well, that's what we need. We need everyone, all hands on deck uh, in order for us to finally dismantle uh, the uh, white supremacy and this anti-unhoused sentiment. Um, we are looking for you that are listening to join us and help us lead us in the light of understanding. And in such, we could do something that makes this place a better place than we found it. This is Theo Henderson with Leading Your House. I thank you all for listening again, and may we again meet in the light of understanding.
This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused. Uh, so here we have a new resident and I want to introduce her, uh, him. Uh, after our interview, he was listening in and he wants to tell us his story. So what's your name, sir? I've been running around from, uh, I was first from uh, Alabama, Birmingham. What's your name first? Oh, Steven, <laughs> Steven Terrence Taylor. Okay. Um, I'm also a kid. Like I have a KIDD family in Alabama and my father in Cleveland, Ohio. And um, so I ran from Alabama, um, Birmingham. Um, I was given a ticket by someone that I know. Um, and he paid for my ticket from another country and then he was brought here, you know, whatever. He's a United States citizen. Why did you leave Alabama? Um, for my religion, God alone. Okay. Okay, and uh, I found out the truth and like the reason why Thomas Jefferson had a Quran so to speak, okay? And he was the one of the four founding fathers of this nation. And uh, he built something called We the People. That's also in the Quran. So I started finding out about all these truths. Then I found out that I was a messenger, just to, just to shorten it up. This is why you hear all these weird stuff, sounds sometimes, which are angels. They're not more than angels, okay? But there's a gift that is used behind it, that God gives. So the government, um, does know about this um, sorry to say but they do know about it um, the government has been protecting me in a way I can't I'm not at liberty to speak about right now one but, of the questions I have but I have why am I treated this way is what I want to know why am I running around all the time trying to get back to my family I said well can I get back home I'm trying to get back home my family they contacted my family you know what I mean my, my uncle Ricky he knows his name Ricky kid he knows who I am and he's African-American and I have Masons in my family. Okay, so what? Um, I don't know too much about the Masons in my family, but I do know I have them. So it's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's not a conspiracy to c kill me or anything, but uh, okay. it's because of who I am. Well, um, how long have you been here? Me? Uh, I just been here all day. You just got here? Yeah, I just, I've been traveling on the, the bus and I've been trying every way to get home. So if you know anyone that can purchase me uh, a Greyhound ticket or anything to get home, then that would be better. Or a phone is really what I need so I can record things, you know what I mean? I, well, this I is one of the things about uh, finding a way of to helping the in-house community is that what is the best way to help you? So you're looking for a bus ticket to get it back home. That's right. what you're saying. Right, or a phone, well, or a tent what? while I'm here. I'll stay here and just watch the video. Oh, okay. So, um, well, you know, thank you for telling us this, your story. Uh, like I said, we can, you know, give it out to the public and maybe they can, someone can reach reach, reach out to you um, here in Echo Park because this is the common place. Well, your and stuff I, is protected. Your camera, you, 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 and you, mm -hmm. you're protected, trust me. Oh, okay. thank you very much. Uh, this is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused and I thank you for your time and I thank you all for listening and may we again meet in the light of understanding. You say I took my time waiting for the right inspiration to conclude this episode. In the course of this episode, 
a lot of things have happened that has moved in a breakneck pace. Uh, the city is moving faster to criminalize unhoused under the bridges due to Judge Carter's rule. The city council has approved, again, a business improvement uh, district in Chinatown to criminalize the unhoused. And all through the city, there's meetings and, and NIMBYs, as, and a matter of fact, across the country, there's been retaliation against a vulnerable population using the same stereotypes that has been used here against many of the unhoused, quality of life, safety of people, children, and drug needles. Through the course of that also, there has been some phenomenal things, some um, amazing things. We the Unhoused has opened the door for conversation and people have responded favorably to me and it surprises me. I did not do Weedy and House completely alone. I've always had some people that uh, met me where I was, which is why I've been inspired to do the same when I interview the unhoused and figure the solutions. It should be the same. We should meet people where they are. And not everyone is going to be perfect. Um, this obsession that they have to have perfection in order for you to receive help or the conditions is 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 an elusive dream. Uh, this time, I wanted a way to thank my video editor, Carlos Nieto III. I also wanted to thank my audio editor, Carla Green, and my other associate editor as well, David Brown, uh, my cartoonist, Katie Fishhill, and also many, many people behind the scenes that have came to me and came, uh, came along to offer behind-the-scenes help and have done a wonderful job. Um, in particular, K-Town for All, I like the Los Angeles Community Action Network, Polo Pantry, um, and many others that stay in the background. And I wanted to take this uh, opportunity to let people know that I also do video podcasts of Weedian House as well. So in the upcoming future, you're going to see some of me highlighting some of these other first responders other than the ones that you all the time see, like medical personnel, fire departments, and uh, police, of course. There's, these are the ones that are grassroots that don't get a dollar, don't make any money off of this. And they come out and they rise to the occasion due to overwhelming uh, public antipathy from the NIMBYs. And then some support from people that really get why we need to get together and band together to create a positive solution. And on that light, I hope the light shines a little bit more brighter to toward the light of understanding. Thank you for listening.